0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com.
1: Was that the New Orleans Saints on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium yesterday, or the greatest show on turf? I certainly couldn't tell a difference, because the Indianapolis Colts defense let the Saints go up and down the field all afternoon long. What needs to change for this defense, and where do the Colts go from here? let's talk about it. Welcome to the Horseshoe Huddle podcast presented by Fan Nation on SI.com, part of the Fans First Sports Network. My name is Andrew Moore, and I'm joined here as always by my fellow writer and analyst at Horseshoe Huddle, Drake Wally. Drake, I was not expecting a 500-yard performance from Derek Carr and, and the Saints offense, but that's what happened yesterday, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about tonight. How you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing really good. It was a nice, relaxing weekend. Um, like you said, though, holy cow, was I not expecting this either. Uh, this is a team that was I even thought was on the verge of toppling because they really didn't have any identity against – any competition they had all season and they ran the ball pretty well but Derek Carr picked apart the secondary he had over 300 passing yards as we'll talk about later but yeah not a good look for for Colts fans not a good look for the secondary and it starts to beg the question are you going to do something to address that
1: yeah, and and this is something. This is kind of a position group that we had talked about even in the spring and, and through the oh, summer yeah. months. You know, uh, they were kind of playing with fire a little bit with the quarterback position deciding to go young, not bringing in any proven talent, and and really, if, if injuries hit, uh, they they could be in trouble. And it certainly looks like that has that was kind of the case yesterday uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. I want to give a shout out to uh, people that are already in the chat, it with uh, his, uh getting us off to a hot start. With the super sticker tonight, true, it says in the words of Admiral Akbar, "It's a trap." Uh, uh, so yeah, yeah trap I mean, game, trap game. That's yeah. that's for sure. And 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 really, it wasn't even a trap game because the Colts were coming off of a big loss to to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and and I think I think I mean a lot of other parts showed up, but uh, just the, the secondary was 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 abysmal. Mm -hmm. To put it lightly But True, thank you so much uh, For the super super sticker, buddy Really, really appreciate it Nathan Comancy is here Says, first, do you see the Colts maybe making any moves And do we have any insight With the trade deadline coming up tomorrow We're going to talk about the trade deadline A little later in the show uh, If we think the Colts are going to make any moves And if they do, who are some targets uh, And some players That that they might uh, potentially target So keep that question handy, Nathan and we will talk about that later in the show stats matt is here what's up gentlemen offense played well jt is back needs a couple more touches defense played bad specifically one player that's the summary On to the panthers well stats matt just gave us a show three minutes in i think it's a new record Done. uh thanks a lot <laughs> stats matt for that but sure. uh good good to see you buddy timothy long is in here saying hi go colts my favorite team so good to have you in here tonight timothy Quentin says the colts are a mess Right now, I don't know what to say about it. We'll, yeah. we'll we're going to talk about it, and 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 maybe maybe we're gonna gonna help uh, uh, get you back on track with things. Maybe maybe calm some of those fears. Uh, but we'll, but we'll keep it real tonight. That's for sure. And if you haven't done so, please go follow us on all of our socials. Like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook. Follow at Colts on FN on Twitter or X, and subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you know whenever Drake and I go live, whenever Shad goes live. With the saddle up show so you never miss an episode if you can't catch us live apple spotify google wherever you listen to podcasts we're on there as well so make sure you subscribe and give us a five star review so drake let's dive right into it tonight the colts basically imploded versus the new orleans saints losing 39 to 27 dropping their third straight game of the 2023 season uh and and just i mean pretty simple it was it this was on the defense you know the the Colts scored 27 points and and you could you you could critique some of the things that the offense did and and we'll certainly dive in and and analyze all of that but typically when you score 27 points that should be enough to win in in the NFL and the, the Colts just could not stop Derek Carr in the Saints offense plain and simple
0: well, and, you know, we mentioned it uh, in the the pregame breakdown on Thursday about this game is that, yeah, Derek Carr, he has, you know, a susceptibility to throwing some interceptions every now and again. But for the most part, he's had success against the Colts uh, going back to when he was a Raider. So um, he was coming into this game, though, looking Horrible. And even you mentioned this is a dude that was yelling at his coaches, yelling at his teammates, not what he typically does. Guy in his press conference is like, yeah, I really shouldn't act like that. You know, that's really bad. So you were thinking this is the team to get right on. You know, if you're if you're going to if you're going to bounce back, this is it. You're at home and the Colts fall in epic fashion. And I think the biggest thing and we'll get to it later. Um, But man, Rashid Shahid, dude, he showed speed that is going to be a problem in the league once he starts to figure out the rest of his tools as a receiver but my goodness the Colts did not give did not do themselves any favors with the coverage scheme against him he just he, i mean three targets three catches 153 receiving yards so just even even with pressure they only sacked him once it was just an all around unfortunately bad defensive performance really from top to bottom
1: yeah and and that's that's what that's what's kind of hard to think about because this Colts defense I mean they've been playing I wouldn't say they've been playing great but they've been playing well enough to win in most circumstances you know Drake because we've been talking last couple of weeks really the losses go to Gardner Minshew and and those turnovers because those turnovers have led to short fields for for the defense to have to cover and the opposing offenses have had to capitalize this week it was all on the defense you know Gardner Minshew did have one turnover and we'll talk about Minshew in a bit, but to give up 38 points and, and, and really just allow the saints to get whatever they wanted down the field uh, was just, was just unacceptable, you know, and, and let's just dive right into, to the defensive performance here. I mean, 511 total yards allowed by this Colts defense Derek Carr had a field day. He was 19-27 to 27 for 310 yards, two touchdowns uh, with a quarterback rating of 133.3. Taysom Hill was also one for two for 44 yards. But you talked about it, Drake Rashid Shaheed, three catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown uh, for the New Orleans Saints wide receiver. 109 of those yards and the touchdown were given up by Tony Brown. So Drake, just talk. I know what you're going to say, but just just kind of talk me through Tony Brown's performance yesterday at cornerback.
0: Well, before that, for a moment, I mean the the leading rusher for the Saints wasn't Alvin Kamara on 17 carries for 59 yards. It was Taysom Hill mm-hmm. who scored two on the ground too. So the Colts also let Taysom Hill be a problem, who's Basically, uh, uh, I think a more capable Tim Tebow. But um, look, Tony Brown, you know, there's a writer for, the, for Indy Star who, you know, because it's our show, we're not going to name him. But typically he's disliked. There was there was a post, though, that made a lot of sense to me that basically said they've had him for four or five seasons. They know he's not really a cover corner. They have guys like Amir Speed, who granted he's he's a rookie and he just got picked up. But, you know, he probably is more capable than Tony Brown is as a corner. And then you also have Daryl Baker Jr., who's probably more capable than Tony Brown is as a corner. And I understand the, the confidence, and you want to give this guy a chance. But, I mean, those two plays where he let Shaheed burn him, those, those were awful. But so was – I think he fell down, and it was like a completion right where he fell. That car completed easily, and it like was like a 25-yard completion. Tony Brown really struggled. It's an unfortunate occurrence that it happened – but holy cow, they were just targeting him. They they were just throwing the ball. Where I, I think they, it's kind of funny to say this, but it might not be totally inaccurate that they were maybe like, hey, look, wherever wherever thirty eight is, wherever Tony Brown is, target him, throw it over to him until he tells you otherwise, and he couldn't answer the call.
1: it was, it was that whoever offense, you know, whoever Tony Brown is on throwing the ball. That's, that's, that's exactly what it was. And, and I I hate to bash on Tony Brown because I mean, you, you are right. I mean, really, when you look at Tony Brown and his history, he's been a special teams ace. That is what he is on the Colts for is to be a gunner on special teams. Yes. He's the backup nickel to, to Kenny Moore. But he wasn't playing nickel either yesterday. He was playing outside uh, a position that that is is vastly different than than playing in the nickel. I don't care what anyone says that they well they're both cornerbacks. That's just not how it works. The outside cornerback position you play that so much differently than than how you play the the nickel position. And for for the I think this is I think this is there's blame to go around on on all of this really. Tony Brown, yes, I think you have to, I mean, if Tony Brown is out there and, and playing, you got to put up some sort of a fight. I mean, you are a National Football League player, okay? You're not some bum that the Colts brought in off the street. You know, you got to put up a fight, and you've got to play better than that, plain and simple. But I also put this blame on on the coaching staff as well. You know, I, I put it on Gus Bradley and, and Ron Milas. Uh, not, not so much Shane Steichen, because, and people need to get this straight, too. Shane Steichen does not determine who goes into the ball game, okay, on offense or defense. That is handled by the position coaches. Shane Steichen has enough to deal with during the game than, than handle substitutions. That is the job of the position coaches. So Gus Bradley and Ron Miles, the defensive backs coach, they're the ones that prepared uh, uh, Tony Brown and and prepared him for this moment. There was no adjustments. You know, when you see Tony Brown starting to struggle like that, I mean, yes, Daryl Baker Jr. has had his struggles here this season. Nothing like that. Nothing compared to what Tony Brown had yesterday. There has to be the substitution to get Daryl Baker Jr. in there. Daryl Baker Jr. played zero defensive snaps yesterday. When, When Tony Brown is playing the way Tony Brown played like that, that can't happen. An adjustment has to be made. And and I know that, that, that Steichen is going to defend Gus Bradley like he did today. No, course, but, no. yeah, Gus Bradley and Miles. that has to be done. You can't just let that guy continually get cooked over and over and over again. We knew it after the first quarter that, 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 that Tony Brown needed to be benched and Daryl Baker Jr. needed to come in and 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 for for them to continue to just let this guy out there let this guy be embarrassed and let this guy continue to give up yards and points i mean that falls solely on the feet of gus bradley and and ron Miles.
0: yeah and when you look at his uh i mean his pff grades like this this is obviously a guy who struggled but you know the confidence the confidence becomes an even bigger issue because if it's someone out there who's clearly struggling like that and you keep him out there and he's just continuously struggling it's only going to be a slippery slope until it's just a full blown you know blown play or multiple blown plays from from uh, brown but on 55 snaps okay he had a defensive grade of 26.8 which i believe was the lowest of the game he absolutely had a co- coverage grade of 28.4 a tackle grade, okay, so not not just his coverage was struggling, his tackling was too. It was 27.2, so look, Jalen Jones also struggled too, but he was far better in coverage, okay? Daryl Baker Jr. would have been an upgrade. Amir Speed would have been an upgrade. On the depth chart, Tony Brown is behind Kenny Moore on the depth chart, so it's like you're considering him by depth chart standards. He's a nickel corner. He's the guy who's the slot dude. Why is he on the outside? I, don't, I, I just didn't understand the placement of Tony Brown there. Again, I understand you want to give him a chance. At one point, up until a couple games ago, he was the only guy on the team that had a pick. Um, so I get it. But he is a special teams ace. He's a guy who maybe can fill in for a quarter, okay, and he can be effective. But, man, to, to have him out there just getting roasted like that, even by the Saints' arguably third receiver, man, you really should have gotten him out of the game. You had other options that would have easily been an upgrade.
1: Well, and the thing is, too, I mean, it wasn't just like Daryl Baker Jr. wasn't the only option. Yeah. You know, Kenny Moore, when when the Colts are in their base defense, we have three linebackers, two cornerbacks out there. Kenny Moore does play outside. He's It's not like he comes off the field during those plays just because he's the nickel. When there's only two cornerbacks out there, Kenny Moore is one of the outside corners. He just shifts inside to the nickel when the Colts go into nickel and dime packages. So, I mean, Kenny Moore has plenty of experience, Playing outside. You could have shifted Kenny Moore to the outside and put in someone else in in the nickel. Maybe Tony Brown plays better in the nickel. And if not Brown, you have Julian Blackman, who spent time at nickel last year when Kenny Moore was hurt. Something that that Julian Blackman chastised me for months ago when I when I just simply uh, admitted that that was a possibility. Leave uh, me alone, bro. Yeah, leave me alone, bro. So <laughs> hey, at least he called me, bro. He could have called me something far worse than that. But Julian Blackman was an option in the slot. Nick Cross, Nick Cross, who the Colts that the Colts defensive coaches Gus Bradley has said we need to get Nick Cross on the field more. Why didn't you then? You know, Nick Cross has been trained and has uh, practiced as a slot cornerback and gotten snaps in the slot there so Nick Cross could have been an option if you wanted to stick Kenny Moore on the outside there there were plenty of options not out there and ready to go besides just saying you know it's either Tony Brown or Daryl Baker Jr. you could have done more things with that and and as an NFL coach and as NFL defensive coordinator you have to be able to adjust on the fly so it's it, it just did not add up to me and And I saw people criticizing Tony Brown and rightfully so. Tony Brown was awful yesterday but this also falls at the feet of the coaches and it also falls on the feet I'm not gonna and I I saw also saw overreaction saying that that, that this falls on Chris Ballard and he should be he should be fired. Listen I am not going to to fire Chris Ballard over a fifth over a cornerback five performance you know and it's not like Chris Ballard made the decision to put Tony Brown out there and it also wasn't Chris Ballard who made the decision to keep Tony Brown out there. That was on the coaches. So does does Chris Ballard hold some accountability for not ad- maybe addressing the cornerback position properly in the offseason by maybe not bringing in some some more vets on the outside? Sure, you can go that. But as far as what happened specifically yesterday, I'm not going to put it much on Chris Ballard. That is really the, 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 the bulk of the blame goes On Gus Bradley, Ron Miles, and those defensive coaches.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ballard's not giving the orders from the press box, you know, or from from the suite. Like, hey, I'm going to need you guys to rotate out Tony Brown and please put in another cornerback. Like, that's not his. That's not what he's doing. So, uh, I I understand there's a lot of frustration because you would see time after time after time, 38 was running after a receiver, he was falling down, or he just wasn't making a tackle. It was it. It's it's not it's not wrong to criticize Tony Brown for a bad performance, but to like hate on the guy, it's, it's a bad game. It was just an all around terrible game, but not just from him. Okay. Like Mm -hmm. even certain offensive players also didn't play the best either. Uh, But the defense as a whole, man, I, I, I think you could say the worst of it was Tony Brown, but man, as a whole, they really didn't do themselves all the best favors either.
1: So. No, I mean the Colts the Colts missed Grover Stewart there in the middle. There <sighs> were multiple times where where the linebackers missed <sighs> on plays. Man. Uh I saw I saw Zaire Franklin whiff on a, on a couple. I thought yesterday just looking at the linebackers, I thought Shaquille Leonard played the best out of all the linebackers yesterday. Shaq looked like Shaq again, you know. And 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 so there, there was mul- there's multiple blame to go around. But but looking at the cornerbacks position specifically. How concerned are you with this cornerback position moving forward, Drake? I mean, Dallas Flowers is not coming back the rest of the year with that torn Achilles. Kenny Moore, yes, Kenny Moore is playing at a Pro Bowl level. I think we all we can all be comfortable with where Kenny Moore is at, but you can't put Kenny Moore at, at, at every single corner spot. Juju Brents has played well when he's in there, but again, dealing with that injury, and we're not sure when exactly he'll be back. So how concerned are you with the cornerback position for the Colts right now?
0: Well, um, They've let up at least 35 points in the last three games, all losses. Uh, This was the most embarrassing because it's not the Jags and it's not a defense that is like the Browns where you're going to be having a slugfest. It's a team that was really walking into this game under, like under-equipped as far as like how they were connecting. And the Colts just gave them the easiest game, especially Derek Carr. Derek Carr looked happy. For the first time this season against the Colts. So I I think there is reason to worry. I think there is cause for, for concern. Even though this wasn't supposed to be a quote unquote playoff season, I think you still have to treat this like we gotta do something. Right. Like you can't even even if you were to say, All right, Daryl Baker, you're now starting. Tony Brown, you're gonna be backing up Kenny Morgan. And then we're even gonna move a mere speed behind Daryl Baker Jr., you still need to bring somebody in, I think. Somehow, some way, you need to maybe elevate someone from a prep from the practice squad. Something needs to happen at cornerback. You got to bring in more bodies because you just can't have another situation where you have one guy out there just getting cooked over and over. And again, you mentioned it, Myles and 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 uh, Bradley really need to be the ones to answer for keeping Tony Brown out there and just letting him get destroyed.
1: And one guy I haven't mentioned though, but I, I think he has been playing very well is Jalen Jones. You know, Jalen yep. Jones honestly yep. has has played a lot better than 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 I think people want to give him credit for just because he doesn't have an interception. You don't really hear his name often, but since Dallas Flowers went down, Jalen Jones has has played pretty well, you know, and and for a seventh-round pick that wasn't even a guarantee to make this roster, uh, I think he's done a, a really good job, and, and I want to continue to see how he does uh, uh, throughout the rest of the season. We have a, a super chat from the CFO himself, Patrick Rye, making his first appearance uh, on the screen here for us this morning, or this morning, this this evening. You can tell I've, I've been working uh, quite a bit today, uh, but hey. hey. Hey, uh, thanks a lot, Patrick. Really do appreciate it, buddy. He says, send a first to Denver for Pat Sertan. I'm over this inconsistent secondary. If they don't, that first should go to a cornerback in 2024 anyway, not a wide receiver. So Patrick, I'm going to play devil's advocate for for you. Well, first uh, for just a little bit, first of all, one first round pick for Patrick Sertan, that ain't getting it done. Uh it's 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 probably going to be close to, if not more, than the deal for Jalen Ramsey. Uh Jalen Ramsey, I think, fetched two first round picks and a fourth round pick if I'm not if I'm not mistaken stats stats, Matt check my check my uh uh uh, stats or check my memory on that but I think it's going to take more than that and I just where the Colts are again they're not in win now mode so I don't think they'd want to give up that much draft capital for for Pat Sertan just because they're not in that win now mode and 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 to be honest, you know, if Juju Brents comes back, then you do have a good cornerback. You can be able to find another cornerback next year in the second round. And if the Colts keep losing, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. really will be a possibility. And you want to pair Marvin Harrison Jr. with Anthony Richardson for the next 12 to 14 years. I think I'd take that over any cornerback in this draft class. So, um, I I just don't. I just think it's going to be asking price for Patrick Sertan is going to be too much for the Colts, especially considering how the Colts aren't just that one piece away from from competing for uh, for a Super Bowl. It's it's still going to take some time. And hell, I might be way off on this. What do you think, Drake?
0: I mean, I I, that would be a wonderful idea. First off, I think that the the Broncos have made it like clear that they aren't interested in letting Sertan go because they think he's literally the smartest defensive player they have. But I mean, yeah, I agree. And, and Andrew, I don't think the Colts have the position right now to make that trade make sense. But I will say, I also believe that they do like Dallas Flowers. I, I think that they really like Dallas Flowers. I think that it was so tragic that he couldn't go this season. Because it's like, I was really excited to see what he was going to do. Very athletic corner that can keep up with literally, like if he would have been covering Rashid Shahid, I don't think Shahid gets away with speed. Okay. I think that Flowers keeps up with him. So we'll see. But, you know, I think that'd be a wonderful, a wonderful, um, you know, occurrence if it actually would happen. But yeah, the Colts aren't going to get
1: okay stats matt does say that ramsey to the rams was two ones and a four so so i I was i was correct on that and that patrick Sertan would would fetch that easily i mean he's a top five cornerback in the nfl so it'd be it'd be really tough for the colts to to get that away the best option for the colts right now would be a veteran free agent like a casey hayward otherwise you're probably looking at at a free agent in the spring or or in the draft, and this is kind of what I wrote last night. You know, the Colts made their bed with how they handled the the cornerback position, wanting to go young and 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 not and not choosing not to go after these veteran free agents. Now they kind of have to lie in it, and unfortunately, there there really isn't an easy. Obvious fix uh, until until after the season. So Patrick, really appreciate the comment, buddy. It was a, a fun conversation, honestly. Yeah, like like, like like discussing that. Uh, and, and as always, you 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 definitely make our show better. So thanks a lot, Patrick, for that. But but let's talk about let's let's switch gears here a little bit, Drake. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball mm-hmm. and and talk talk about Gardner Minshew. And and for the most part, I thought Minshew was was solid yesterday. Uh, I would say he was probably average uh took he took care of the football for the most part uh, 213 yards and a touchdown but that and two touchdowns excuse me but man that interception with the Colts only down I think the Colts were only down one at that point and it was right after a Zach Moss a huge Zach Moss run that got the Colts down uh in scoring position the momentum was on the Colts side And then just another boneheaded decision where he tried to float the ball up in there, and it really wasn't even close to Michael Pittman Jr. The Saints intercept it. Saints end up going down the field, scoring a touchdown, 14-point swing right there. So, again, now it's nine turnovers in in three games. Just just not good enough. And he was close, really, really close. Not having a turnover in this game. But man, it came, it seemed like it came at one of the most inopportune times for the Colts and they could never recover.
0: Yeah. And, you know, uh, there was a point that you made that Minshew, you even went through why you think he's fumbling, because maybe the ball was a little too far out when he starts running. Maybe he doesn't keep it close during that game. He was doing everything right. He They even broke it down on the broadcast, him escaping the pocket on a run where instead of just running with the ball with one hand, he held onto it with two, started running. And then when he realized he was in open space, then allowed the ball to drop to one arm. I mean, he was really trying to prevent turnovers. But like you said, that throw, you got to understand the situation. You got to understand where you're at. You also, you also have to understand your defensive counterparts are getting the ever-loving crap kicked out of them. You can definitely not afford to turn it over because there's a really good chance they're not going to be able to help you. OK, so there's just a lot of factors that went into that. I, If you look at the stat line, if you had him in fantasy, hey, Minshew didn't do too bad. But, man, that interception, it was just so crucial. It was right in front of when they were going to score. And it really halted that entire drive and the momentum for the rest of the game, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. And, and there were some other misses at towards the end of the game that that I thought really hurt hurt the Colts as well. But again, it just it kind of gets back to the that moniker that that we've been talking about. Drake is you're you're rarely going to win because of Gardner Minshew. You can definitely win with Gardner Minshew, but as far as him leading a fourth quarter comeback and and putting the game on his shoulders to to get you a game winning drive. You just don't I just don't have that confidence in Gardner Minshew that that I even had earlier this season with with Anthony Richardson to to be able to do that. Like Anthony Richardson, when he's out there on the field, you always have a chance with Gardner Minshew. It's just you, you feel like it's going to take a miracle. So, uh, I mean, solid, but just just not good enough from the backup quarterback on Sunday. And then let's get into uh, another topic here that, that really crossed the minds of a lot of Colts fans and was is creating a buzz on social media. Jonathan Taylor got off to a wicked fast start. Uh, I think in the first half he had 12 carries for, for 94 yards, or was it 11 carries for 94 yards in the first half? Then we get to the second half. One carry. One yard the entire second half for jonathan taylor and and we heard Shane Steichen talk about it that uh uh that i mean-sack Moss kind of ripped off that big run, so they were they were riding the hot hand there, and then the Colts were down, so they really couldn't they really couldn't get into running fits because they were trying to get back into the game. What uh, what do you think Drake? Do you think that the Colts mismanaged this with with Jonathan Taylor or do you not have a problem with how they how they used the the running backs yesterday against the Saints?
0: I, I I first off the reason I think that he didn't get those carries in the second half is different than what I I personally think of how they executed the game plan. I wanted to see more Jonathan Taylor. This is a guy who absolutely thrives with volume. He thrives with momentum and volume and momentum with Jonathan Taylor, when they're combined and they're both working, he turns into a hell of a problem. Okay. So I just didn't like the fact that you start out so torrid, so hot like that by metrics, he was going to have 22 carries for 188 rushing yards and he just got cut off. I don't understand. I thought to myself, how could that possibly happen? Why would you do that? And a hot hand, come on, Steichen, Taylor is the superior running back. If he's killing it, Moss should be complimenting him every step of the way, regardless of how Moss is doing. Uh, That's just my opinion. But then I thought, I wonder if he tweaked his ankle. I wonder if something happened with his ankle or something happened with maybe a lower extremity where they're like, you know what? We're going to let Moss go ahead and do this. He's got a hot hand right now you rest until we can confirm you're good. And maybe he didn't, that's just kind of like thinking outside the box, but maybe something happened where they're like, we're just going to take it easy with you.
1: I don't think it was that because okay. they, they, they specifically asked Steichen after the game, if, if Taylor got hurt or, or there was, it was injury related and Steichen said, no, that there was okay. no injury. So and and that's honestly, that's, that's a good thing because you don't want this ankle injury to flare up again for Jonathan Taylor, especially after the Colts give him that huge extension. Uh, it just, it, I just, but I, I do agree with you in that that Jonathan Taylor, it's like the the more the more carries he gets, the the better Jonathan Taylor, the better Jonathan Taylor gets, and and he he's just the type of back that wears down the defense. So that way, in that fourth quarter, when you're trying to stop a Jonathan Taylor, just his his style of running, you're 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 going to have a hard time stopping a, a, a running back that's 230 pounds that can run a 4 three forty. you know? So the, he just wears on defense as to where you get to the point in the fourth quarter and he's just, he's clicking off seven, eight yards per carry. And I think Jonathan Taylor, even for the game finished with 7.9 yards per carry. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I do understand Shane Steichen's thinking in that, you know, when the Colts were down, it's really hard to, to to really focus on, on the run game because you're trying to, to get things back. Uh, you're trying to get back into the game and the Colts did at one point have, have something dialed up for Jonathan Taylor. And then, they they get a penalty. They get a false start. It moves them back another five yards. Then they have to try to throw to get those yards back, uh, and and then they get behind the sticks. And then pretty soon, then you're trying to have to throw to throw to get out of it. But it, it was it was a little bit. Uh, I I, I, do, I do think that that the Colts should have used Jonathan Taylor more yesterday in the second half. That's obvious when he's when he's off to that fast start. I also don't think that was the main reason that they lost you know because for for all this talk about yeah Jonathan Taylor should have been in the game it wasn't like Zach Moss was out there playing like a scrub either. Zach Moss averaged six yards per carry yesterday as well. He think he had 11 carries for, for 66 yards. So it wasn't a major drop off by any means, but, but yes, you do need to have Jonathan Taylor out there more. He looks a hundred percent to me. Uh, So I think you can take the training wheels off and you can start riding your, your bell cow back. Once again, you know, look to get between 15 to 18 carries every single game for Jonathan Taylor, maybe even more, because, like I said, it, he wears down teams in in the in the second half, and and he's not used to being in a in a running back by committee uh, approach. Shane Steichen really isn't used to having a bell cow back. So yes, I understand Zach Moss is there, but Jonathan Taylor is a different animal. He's a different breed of running back. He needs to be your go to guy, and he needs to have more lenience and and. And, and more, I think more needs to be focused on getting Jonathan Taylor his touches, whether that is in the running game or even in the passing game, because Jonathan Taylor has shown this year in that, that he can catch the ball and he's gotten the ball in open field in multiple situations from Gardner Minshew has been able to make something of it. So do I think the Colts lost because Jonathan Taylor didn't get the ball in the second half? No. But do I think Jonathan Taylor should have still gotten the ball more in the second half? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And especially when you don't have the element of Anthony Richardson's mobility and arm and the way that he can stretch stretch a defense from, you know, sideline to sideline. I think Jonathan Taylor is even more important than ever. You know, you have to get that ground game going. Like you said, you're not going to win because of Gardner Minshew. You're going to win with Gardner Minshew. Now, is it fair to say that Minshew and any backup quarterback really isn't designed for a shootout? That's also very fair. I think the only backup quarterbacks I can think of right off the top of my head are guys like, you know, the f- former player Ryan Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston. Those are really the backups that just go out there and throw the ball wherever they can find a spot. Okay, but Minshew's not that guy. He doesn't have the arm. So, man, I really hope they put an emphasis on getting Jonathan Taylor that ball. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets twenty plus carries against Carolina.
1: If, if they're in that spot, I mean, and then you go going up against Frank Reich, he's going to try to be prepared for that. But uh, if Jonathan Taylor has the hot hand and, and can keep going, yeah, I think the Colts should ride Jonathan Taylor yes. to a victory. But though the wide receivers, let's move to the wide receivers. They, I mean, we saw some production out of these guys again on Sunday, Michael Pittman Jr. After he made those comments and then credit to Michael Pittman again, last week coming out and, and kind of d- dissolving the situation, say, you know, he did the moment. I'm a sore loser. I'm working on it, but I didn't mean that. Well, Shane Steichen certainly made it a concerted effort to get Pittman the ball early and often. I think six of the first seven attempts by Minshew went to Pittman, finished with eight eight catches, 40 yards, and a touchdown there. And, and when Pittman was involved there early, the Colts had a pretty commanding lead. So like, I, like I've always said, I've said this since he was drafted in 2020. When you put the ball in Michael Pittman's hands, good things tend to happen.
0: Yeah, and that touchdown he scored was awesome. He really fought hard for that, and I, I again, he, he leads the team in catches. I know it was only 40 yards, but they were really pressing him pretty hard. And I think they, the the Saints' defense made an emphasis like we're taking him away. We're going to force rookie Josh Downs to beat us. Which I think that we'll get to Josh Downs next and how he answered that call. But man, Michael Pittman, he just continues to prove people wrong. Game after game, this guy is a legitimate number one receiver in the NFL. Again, he's playing with another different quarterback, and it's a backup quarterback, and he continues to lead the team in targets 13 for the game and catches with eight.
1: Well, after that hot start, the Saints made an adjustment on oh, defense. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know, maybe some on the other side aren't aren't uh, prevy to making adjustments on defense, but the Saints did make an adjustment, <laughs> and they they started doubling in and pushing coverage over to Michael Pittman, which opened things up for Josh Downs, who had again another really good game for the rookie, seven catches, 72 yards. He's now on pace for over a thousand yards in his rookie season. And just can't say enough about Josh Downs and, and just finally giving another consistent receiving threat uh, opposite of, of Michael Pittman Jr. that when, Mike, when Pittman is taken away because he's being doubled and because coverage is rolling over to that side, you have Josh Downs who can win his matchup there in the slot and has been proving very vital for this Colts defense to, to be able to move the chains and, and get down the field.
0: Yeah. And look, Josh Downs is continuously showing that he may be one of the, those guys you look back on in a couple of years and you're like, he was a ridiculous steal. Okay. He's playing incredibly well. He looks more, I think, I, I can't remember which broadcaster it was, but someone said he, this guy just does not look like a rookie receiver his instincts are veteran his speed is veteran the way that he runs his routes veteran like this guy is going to be a problem he's already being compared to ty hilton look man i'm just going to go ahead and say this i think he's a better route runner than mm-hmm. ty hilton i think he will be a better route runner and no offense to ty but he didn't make it work too well outside of andrew luck josh downs is out there making it work with a rookie quarterback who's not supposed to be accurate and a backup quarterback in gardner Minshew. Um, I-
1: Early on in his career, T.Y. Hilton won mostly with speed, and then yeah. as he got later into his career, he became that route running technician. Mm-hmm. Josh Downs is already there as far mm-hmm. as the route running. One of the definitely that was the thing that that separated him from other wide receivers in this draft class was his route running ability. So pretty. It's pretty encouraging to see. And and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I think Josh Downs is just going to continue to get better and better uh, as this year goes on and and then for years to come as well. Stats Matt makes a good point. Imagine the thought that the Colts could have 2 1,000 1,0-yard receivers and still finish five and twelve. Wild. <laughs> uh that's that's the kind of season that 2023 has been. So so Drake to kind of put a bow on this. I mean, we, we talked about how the defense obviously terrible performance from from the unit as a whole there was some bright spots on offense but but still couldn't get it done so pretty simple i mean the colts are now three and five about halfway through the season and have some winnable games coming up that they really need to take advantage of to to kind of get their season back on track so where do the colts go from here man
0: three losses in a row uh typically this is where you have you're at a crossroads as a team especially when it's in the middle of the season you have the perfect games though okay you've got the carolina panthers i don't care if frank reich's the play caller they are not equipped right now to play nfl football the fact they beat the texans the texans should have probably ended up winning that game okay like it's they need to win against carolina plain and simple and then they have the new england patriots and they have them in germany it's not in foxborough okay this is neutral ground here so i don't know if either team has more of a presence in Germany uh but I don't think it matters I think you got to beat the you got to beat the Patriots man this is the one time you might talk about Bill Belichick's career where his team absolutely sucks okay so (laughs) you got to take advantage of it his defense is always going to be there the man is a defensive genius but that offense is really struggling so man look for that defensive front in that game
1: for sure yeah these next two games are crucial Big. you know if, if if as far as must win games are concerned i think this week in carolina is the next is a must win game for the colts you know you got to win against the 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 panthers you got to beat the patriots both teams are struggling and have worse records than the indianapolis colts have to go and win those contests if you do then maybe you can still you still have a chance to make something out of out of this season if not then you're probably looking to 2024 and yep. and you're starting to look at at the draft position and and where the Colts will be picking to potentially add more talent whether what does not matter what side of the ball it doesn't matter if it's they get lucky enough to get a Marvin Harrison Jr on on offense or a Kool-Aid McKinstry on on defensive cornerback uh but but these games are crucial and and I think the Colts if they want to make something out of 2023 still they've got to go 2 and 0 uh before they head into the the bye week so drake let's let's get let's wrap up here and and talk about some some of the injuries there luckily the colts had no injuries on sunday no new injuries to report so we'll just talk about the guys that missed sunday's contest obviously not a single uh player was missed more than juju brents juju brents was out with a quad injury uh the Colts haven't really said how long Juju Brents will be out. They don't think it will be long. Um, they don't think this is going to be something where he needs to go on IR, at least not yet. Uh, but the sooner Brents can come back, the better for this Colts defense, obviously.
0: Look, man, this season, it's three and five, but people need to realize there's a lot of rookies that these Colts have selected. In fact, I think who who went out on a uh, season-ending injury? It was Daniel Scott. It was... Um, Uh, Titus Leo
1: and Jake, Jake Witt, Jake Witt and Anthony Richardson. So,
0: so yeah, so they've lost four of these 12 guys. Now here's the thing though. You're really excited about Richardson. Well, look, Jalen Jones is playing great. Juju Brents is playing fantastic. I think, I think for the expectation you're talking about Jalen Jones was such a late round pick. He's actually out there playing pretty decent. Juju Brents is playing exactly like the Colts needed him to. And it's, it's kind of a shame that he's already hurt, but I think it's just been one of those seasons, man. I think that the injury bug has uh, kind of plagued the Indianapolis Colts locker room. And you just hope Juju Brentz doesn't have to go on to IR because like you mentioned, I have heard that floated around his name, though.
1: Right. Braden Smith missed another game with hip and wrist injuries. I thought Blake Freeland in his in his stead did 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 fine, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh you really didn't hear his name too much, which is good. So mm-hmm. uh but still. You want Braden Smith back on that offensive yeah. line. Kylan Granson missed his second straight game with a concussion, which allowed Drew Ogletree to get some extra snaps. And Drew Ogletree been playing his ass off. Drew Ogletree looks pretty good out there and I think he is earning uh, a full-time role as as one of the starting tight ends in this offense and then finally to round things out uh Derek Eric Johnson the defensive tackle second year defensive tackle who hurt his ankle against the Browns did not suit up on Sunday and the Colts definitely felt that uh, against the run Um, with Grover Stewart out the backup nose tackle and Eric Johnson was out it allowed the Saints to to really damage some things when when really all you have to focus on is double teaming DeForest Buckner and and then there's a wide open lane in there so all those guys I think desperately the Colts desperately need them back to help get them back on track
0: yeah and you know I know that Braden Smith is easy one to go to but I think like you said Freeland is actually playing like a pretty damn good backup tackle right now so I'm I, I think you need Eric Johnson back love Taven Bryan I was a fan of him when he got drafted even though he's kind of you know, since he was first round pick, he's kind of considered a bust at this point, but the guy just gets destroyed in run defense, man. He just gets absolutely manhandled. If it's third and seven, great. If it's third and one and 96 is out there, that ball is probably getting ran in his gap.
1: Exactly. Now let's talk about the latest Colts news and rumors specifically since we're coming up on the NFL trade deadline. Now we're going to, to kind of address Nathan's question from earlier on in the show. Uh, Deadline for for trades uh, in the NFL, tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. So, Drake, I know you've already written a piece. We've already written a couple of pieces about this on HorseshoeHuddle.com about if the Colts will make any moves. If they do, who should they go after? Who are some players that might be traded away? So, Drake, I want to hear it from you, buddy. First of all, do you think the Colts will end up making any moves. And then just for the sake of argument, let's say they do make some moves. Who are some guys that you think that, that should be targets or or could be targets for the Colts uh, here, here as the trade deadline is now less than 24 hours away?
0: Yeah, they're not going to do anything. <laughs> they're, that, so that no, they're, they're not going to do anything. But uh, if they did, or if for some reason, a Hail Mary throw gets caught and they make something happen, three guys came to mind, Kair uh, Elam. I think it's Elam. Yeah. Kair Elam from the Buffalo bills. I think that it's not working for him there, but I think with the fact that he's like, let me see, 22 years old, so much to still mold. Okay. Like I think that that is a, is a really interesting one right there. I do like Terrace Marshall junior from the Carolina Panthers. I think that the Colts, I think Isaiah McKenzie, you know, I think he has shown that he's much more of the gadget guy, the kick, returner punt returner type guy. And of course, you know, uh, he's Josh Downs' backup. Okay. I do think that Marshall Jr. could push Alec Pierce in this offense though, because Marshall Jr. is no slouch. He's six foot two and he's 200 pounds. He could find his way with a guy like Anthony Richardson. So that's somebody to look out for. Clearly doesn't want to be in Carolina, but who would if you're a pass catcher? Um, And then I think the longest shot would be Jalen Johnson from the Bears. Uh, I think that the way that the Bears season is going, they might want to move somebody get that capital but he's also so young they might want to keep him around so two cornerbacks and a a wide receiver but absolutely not i do not think they're gonna do anything
1: yeah i i don't think they will either yeah, the colts no. really haven't been active at the trade deadline yes there's rumors out there there's still the rumor that the colts were interested in jerry judy i i really don't think that's going to happen especially uh if the broncos are still asking for a first round pick for him or second yeah, round pick no. <laughs> i i don't think ballards can will say okay th- thanks but no thanks on that one uh but but the but the J- Jalen johnson really intrigues me Drake because it would it would add a a young cornerback he already has a teammate on the team Jalen Johnson was teammates with Julian Blackman at Utah and and he's he's a long athletic young cornerback that that I think would would fit very well in Gus Bradley's defense you know you could see a a defense with Jalen Johnson on one side Juju Brent's on the other with Kenny Moore in the slot ah uh, that's i that's a pretty good cor- cornerback trio if you're asking me and especially having jalen jones as 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 depth behind there with with if, and if dallas flowers in the future or, or he he pushes for a starting spot we're getting ahead of ourselves there but yeah i'm a big fan of jalen johnson's game uh i don't now now here's the thing do i think the bears are going to part with him probably not uh but but I think that's that's more realistic than to say that the Colts should go out and and get a top corner or or that the Colts are really going to sell anybody. The only one that I could really think the Colts selling on would be Moalei Cox. But even there, with Jelani Woods not healthy, the Colts still need need moally cox you know they're not going to get rid of zach moss they're not getting as, as seen they still value zach moss and, oh, yeah. and they're going to ride this out he's still the second leading rusher in the nfl they want to pair jonathan taylor and zach moss together for the rest of the season um other guys like kenny Moore the second isn't going anywhere you're not going to trade Shaq leonard but regardless of what some, what some fans want to which, over over chris ballard's dead body <laughs> will deforest buckner be traded from this team you're not going (laughs) to trade Alec Pierce on a rookie deal the Colts just aren't in a position to really go out and buy because they're not making a championship push but they're not exactly in a position to go and sell either because they're not completely tanking with this team there's still there's plenty of pieces in place that they think they can compete the rest of the way so as has been the past I don't think the Colts do make any moves but man Jalen Johnson for the right price Very intriguing, and I'd probably pull the trigger on on that one. So let's talk about a couple practice squad moves the Colts made this week, uh, actually made today. The Colts signed safety Tyreek Jones to the practice squad. Now Tyreek Jones was an undrafted uh, free agent out of Boise State. Uh, He hasn't played in the NFL, spent most of the season on the New York Jets practice squad, Uh, but in 59 games at Boise State, he had 157 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, a sack. 18 passes defended uh and to go along with four interceptions and two forced fumbles winning all mountain west con- uh, honorable mention two times but, but but drake honestly i think this move just more depth in the secondary at the safety position and 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 nothing more than that
0: yeah, and it maybe it's just the Colts trying to figure out a way to put even the back end of the depth for the secondary because of what just happened. You know, I mean, they just got their they just got absolutely smacked by a team that really shouldn't have done that to them. So I can see why they would do that, but yeah, I absolutely think that Tyreek Jones is more of just a depth piece. You more realistically, you might not see his name hearing about. Him
1: yeah that's that's kind of what i'm thinking as well and then to make room for jones uh, the colts did release defensive tackle ross blacklock from the practice squad he did not last long uh not even a week but that's that's kind of how it how it works sometimes on the practice squad for the indianapolis colts so drake our final segment of our, our recap episode as always colts player of the game so I'm going to let you go first this week, Drake. Who is your Colts player of the game? Who deserves this award after the 11-point loss on
0: Sunday? I was going to say I was going to say Josh Downs, but I I was just like, gosh, I've just been saying his name every week at this point. So I'm going to go with Shaq Leonard. Uh, okay. Shaq Leonard had a season high, 11 tackles. He was on the field a lot, but look, man, He's getting overshadowed. He's making, he's making progress game after game. He's starting to play better and better. Him and Zaire together had 25 tackles, but Zaire having 14 is really no surprise. Shaq Leonard, though, my player of the game. It's good to see him back and out there attacking the football
1: it really is and, and like I said earlier in the show Shaq Leonard looked the best again he's yep. getting better each and every week and it's kind of getting on that timeline where the Colts think he could be back to 100% back to his old self by November 11 tackles he was consistently around the ball making oh, yeah. plays I thought Shaq Leonard played a hell of a game uh, yesterday and you know it, it's looking more and more like we're getting that Shaq Leonard of old and and pretty soon he's going to have more opportunities for turnovers because they're not going to to be rotating him in with ej speed as much that means more leonard will be in on more passing situations and he's going to get more and more of those those turnovers and that have be able to showcase his playmaking ability shout out to my beautiful wife danielle for her nightly super sticker coming in in the clutch here at the very end really appreciate that uh as always here and for my player of the game i'm going to go with michael pittman jr You know, like I said before, and like I will always continue to say, good things happen when Michael Pittman Jr. has the ball in his hand. Eight catches for, well, it was only 40 yards, still had that touchdown. But, hey, when Michael Pittman Jr. was heavily involved in the game plan and they were getting him the ball, Colts were up 17 to 7. You know, once the Saints adjusted and, and really made it their focus to take him out of the game. The Colts only scored 10 more points the rest of the way. So Michael Pittman Jr. is my player of the game, Uh, definitely showing that he is a wide receiver one, definitely showing the Colts that they need to lock him up long-term, and and I think that they will. Uh, I think Michael Pittman is in this team's long-term plans uh, to pair with anthony richardson jonathan taylor josh downs and maybe another wide receiver if it's not alec pierce uh to really make this offense go for years to come so colts three and five it's not the end of the world and again like we've always said it's never been about 2023 it's always been about 2024 and beyond but if the colts do want to make something out of their season they've got to turn it around and they've got to turn it around fast so that's our show for this evening guys really really appreciate everybody tuning in and and talking some colts football with us like maybe letting out some from some frustrations (laughs) over three straight losses want to give a shout out to our super chats for the evening truett patrick the cfo of horseshoe huddle and dan my beautiful wife danielle thank you all so much for your super chats and thank you all to the rest of rest of you guys who tuned in and 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 made tonight a, a really fun episode for us here on the Horseshoe Huddle podcast. So if you haven't done so, please go follow us on all of our socials. Like Horseshoe Huddle on Facebook Follow at Colts on FN on X and subscribe to the Horseshoe Huddle YouTube channel. Hit that bell so you know whenever Drake and I go live so you never miss an episode. And if you can't catch us live, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're on there as well. So make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star review because it really helps us reach other Colts fans just like you as always drake the hardest working man in colts media has been pushing out content on horseshoehuddle.com for us tell the people what they need to go check out that you've written
0: so i did the three good three bad and the loss to the saints and then i i just released three trade targets the colts should pursue ahead of the deadline which um i gave them out on the show but if you haven't seen the show (laughs) go check it out
1: Definitely go check those pieces out. There, they're a lot of fun to read. For myself, uh, I did put out that piece on uh, from Omaha Productions. They gave me early access to Peyton's Places uh, with Peyton Manning and Pat McAfee. Really fun episode. Uh, I definitely learned a lot about punning and uh, made me laugh quite a bit as well. So make sure you go check that out. My post game analysis on on why the Colts uh, are hurting at cornerback, obviously, but why it also probably isn't going to be fixed, uh, anytime soon. Uh, so you can check that out. And then finally tomorrow, I'm going to drop my piece, giving my analysis on the top five graded players, uh, from the Colts performance against the saints. So make sure you check all of those pieces out as well as any other, uh, uh, pieces written by the fine folks, by our fine colleagues and teammates at horseshoe Huddle. Dot com. You can follow Drake at D Walster Drake on X. You can follow me at Andrew Moore NFL, and we will be back Thursday night to get you all set for the Colts showdown with Frank Reich and the Carolina Panthers. We were hoping for Anthony Richardson versus Bryce Young, but instead we've, we're just going to have to focus on Shane Steichen versus Frank Reich. Either way, it's going to be a fun matchup and a very important game for both teams. So everybody enjoy your week. Watch Monday Night Football. Enjoy, hopefully, the Lions coming out on top over the Raiders because, man, (laughs) we love those new Lions. But everybody, enjoy it, and we'll see you soon.